Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to MAP Sports Take. Whether it's breaking news or sports business, this is your home for unmuzzled and unconventional sports talk. With assistant general manager, director of player personnel, and three-time world champion on his resume, David Turner has a thing or two to teach you about pro football. At his side is Ryan Roberts, former college football player, football coach, and NFL Draft Bible's director of scouting. Together, they're here to take you on a deep dive into what goes on in the world of sports. Ryan and David, take it away. Welcome to Mavs Sports Take, episode 28. Deal with some technical difficulties to start the show here. We are your weekly podcast for sports, business, and more. Here we tackle the business of all the news you hear about. We are going to be joined tonight by Mr. Blake Bettingfield, who worked 19 years in college scouting department with the Tennessee Titans of the National Football League. His last five seasons specifically was at the director of college scouting. We also have Mason Stocky, fullback from Wisconsin. Me and David Turner figured out that we were pronouncing Mason's name wrong for several months, but we have <laughs> to talk his draft process and everything that has been happening with him in this COVID draft process and how he is best navigating it. So we have a packed show for you. We want to thank you all for joining us so much here on the NFL Draft Bible live stream on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. Presenting, of course, from MaverickSportsConsulting.com. David Turner, how are we tonight, my friend? We have a couple of great guests. We have a fun little topic that we're going to get into as well. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. It's been it's fun. I mean, I'm pumped for this uh, this episode, honestly, because, like I said, it's one of my favorite players in the draft with uh, Brandon Stocky <laughs> and Mason Mason Stocky. Mason. Sorry, Mason Stocky. Uh, I was so concentrating on the last name. I messed up the first. Look at me. And um, and then obviously a dear friend of mine, Blake Bettingfield. I mean, him and I have been, you know, pretty much entered into the game at the same time. He had a very, very long uh, career with the Tennessee Titans over almost 20 years. And he was a director of college scouting at the Tennessee Titans, responsible for a lot of uh, great young men uh, being drafted there. So, you know, I think this is going to be jam-packed full of information for everybody. So I'm, I'm really excited about this episode here. Absolutely. We have, of course, Jack Dispo in the chat, which I heard, David, you had a couple of long conversations with Jack Dispo over recent days. And, yeah. of course, Mr. <laughs> Daniel Cassidy, who is with us every week. We thank you all so much for being live. As always, we'll be taking live questions. If you guys want to throw it in the chat, if you have a question for Blake, you have a question for Mason, you have a question for us just generally about football, we would love to answer for you. Of course, we are here Tuesday night, 8.30 Eastern time, as always. Before we get into what we are here to talk about tonight, Maverick Sports Consulting would like to share with you that we are available to bring you on board a few new clients. Our calendar has a few openings, so if you're, lo- if you're a player in the 2021 NFL Draft class, still looking to best your, uh, your opponent in the pre-draft process, you should look to your 20 years of experience that you're looking on the screen right now to help you separate from your competition. Space is limited, so if you're interested, you should sign up at maverickSportsConsulting.com today. Please look out for more information. So we're going to create a Mount Rushmore before we bring, uh, bring Blake on. There's going to be some tongue twisters in here tonight before we bring Blake on. So how we're going to do this is we realized 
that maybe early on in this podcast, we probably should have talked about some of our experiences. We did a little bit, but I'm talking about the influence that we had in the sports world. Why do we love sports so much? We know that when you grow up, there are influences on you. No matter what sport you gravitate towards, there are players that you idolize, you you that are icons to you that you try to emulate maybe in the sport that you play. So we're going to leave this open to all sports. We're going to create a Mount Rushmore of our favorites growing up. So we have four players that we want to dive into each. David, I think we should do it this way. All right, I'm going to let you start. You give me one guy. Maybe I'll give a little reaction, and then we'll go back and forth. That sounds good to me. Right? Well. Yeah, growing up in the Bay Area, as I did. Bay Area, Homer. You know, go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I can't wait to hear what you what you're going to talk about. And as I'm a bit older than Ryan, you Are know, you? as we all know, just a tad. You know, I'm about know. twenty, maybe twenty years older. Uh, you know, I grew up in the golden age of the San Francisco 49ers. So never heard of them. First up on my Mount Rushmore would be the absolute goat of the goats. Joe Montana. Goats are the goats. You know, you know where Joe Montana went to college? Yeah, he's an Irishman. He is an Irishman. Yeah. Um, you think I don't know that about Joe? Come on. Third round pick out of the University of Notre Dame. Yeah, Joe becomes Montana. a goat. And then another goat comes out of Michigan as a six round pick. All right, so here's a good question. Can there be can there <laughs> be more than one goat? Because greatest symbolizes that you are the best. Can there be more than one goat? I think, to be honest with you, I think there's only one one goat, and that one one goat is Muhammad Ali. Muhammad oh, okay. Ali. Don't even go there. Football. We're talking about football, though. No, you said all sports. And if you're talking about all sports, uh, there was one, Muhammad Ali. And yeah. if you if you're talking about that, that's who the goat is. He's the greatest of all time, no doubt about it. It is what it is. His record stands. I love him to death. I mean, it was just, I just think he's the world of that guy. Um, but everybody else, yeah, we have fun with that saying. We have that fun with that, you know, talk and that lingo, and that's cool. Like, I have fun with it. But, you know, Joe Montana, Tom Brady, I mean, you're talking about elite quarterbacks here, people that have won multiple uh, Super Bowls, people that have won, you know, incre- or set incredible stats. You know, they've set the bar so high, and then it gets pushed. And, you know, I'm talking about Jerry Rice. I mean, come on, he owns, like, every receiving record in the books. You know, so it's like, you know, you get guys like that and they just keep, you know, raising the bar and then other people come and get it. And it's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, how about this? I'll give you one and then we're going to bring Blake Bedingfield on in just a second. So, David, I grew up in a different era than you. I don't know if you knew that. Um, so I'm actually going to start here, not with a football person, because we always talk about football players because, you know, that's who we are. But I'm going to go with a little, little different, different route here starting off. I'm right outside of Philadelphia, so I did grow up a Philadelphia 76ers fan. Okay, so I'm not old enough to remember Dr. J or Wilt Chamberlain or Moses Malone, any of those. But one person that encapsulated my love for basketball when I was growing up and was a outstanding basketball player. You know what I'm talking about, David? You know oh yeah, oh yeah. Georgetown great, Allen yeah. Iverson. Georgetown for a year. Well, well, hey, whatever. Man. He was there. <laughs> <laughs> he was there. <laughs> Also a great high school quarterback. Awesome. Amazing. Amazing. Aaron Aaron Brooks is a cousin also. So that's somebody that I want to throw out there because, I mean, the guy was listed at six foot. Let's be honest. Allen Iverson was about 5'10", 5'11". But that guy, man, 
He had, you know, he had his little bit of his baggage, you know, he had a little bit of an ego, but my man played basketball harder than I think I've ever seen someone play basketball. That guy have you ever, watched, have you ever gone on uh, Netflix and watched his, uh, his biography? I, I watched it a little bit and then I, I don't think I ever got through it though. You got to watch the whole thing through because it's a tragic story. I mean, that, that young man could have been, could have been an elite player in college and in, in football or basketball, whatever he chose. His quickness and his, his ability to, you know, to accelerate, stop and accelerate were just amazing. It's just rare ability uh, that you just don't see as an athlete in, in, in any place. So I, I'm a big fan of his too. I love watching him play. Yeah, uh, the fun, most fun highlights of all time, man, because that guy could sling it as a quarterback, but then you watch it, he's, I mean, he is a dynamic defensive back. Like, he had, like, 10 interceptions his last year or something like that in high school. So, absolutely, I think Allen Iverson could have played both sports, not only on the college level, probably on the professional level. Who would have known? So, guy I wanted to throw out there real quick, we have Dan Cassian here throughout his four, not Rushmore, we'll talk a little more about after Blake's interview, Bruce Jenner, Dr. J., Tom Seaver and LT. Love it. Is that, is that uh, LaDamian Thompson or is that Lawrence Taylor? I don't know. Oh, oh get out of here. Dan's my, my age. That's Lawrence. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> Stop cursing at me, dude. All right. Get the hell out of here. All right. So we want to, without further ado, an exciting interview for you all. Want to bring on Blake Benningfield, who is, he's scouted players around the country for two decades, served as a college scouting director for the Tennessee Titans his last fi- uh, fi- final five years. Been responsible for players such as Chris Johnson, Albert Hainsworth, Taylor Luan, Adam Pacman Jones, to name a few. We welcome Blake to the show. Blake, how are you this evening? I'm doing great, Ron. David, it's good to see you, man. I haven't seen you in a long time. I know, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing great, man, my friend. It's uh it's been too long. It's good to see your face. Yeah, you too, my friend. I know it's. Uh, it seems like both our faces grew some hair on us since the last time we seen each other. <laughs> you, you know, mine covers up the double chin here, and it's uh, it's something that I, I, I've kept for a little bit longer. So, especially in the winter time. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. You got to have a little fur face in the winter time. But down here in Arizona, it's kind of warm, so I uh, I can't get it too long. That's right. It looks good. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just want to, you know, get into this. I know you just started, or you have Beddingfield Sports. Can you just tell our, our uh, listeners and audience about what Bledding, uh, Beddingfield Sports is about and, you know, what, what's the focus of this venture? Sure. I started this about six months ago. Uh, once I got out of the NFL, I, I have two children that are in high school and middle school and wanted to be at their sporting events. So being on the road, as you know, David, is really tough as a scout. So I kind of wanted to start my own venture. And betting field sports was something that I, I really was passionate about. I still do a lot of consulting in the NFL with different NFL teams, and that's part of betting field sports. Some of the other avenues that I've that I've uh, really started to get into is I've gone to different universities and colleges and, and helped set up their recruiting departments, almost like an NFL scouting department. Uh, these recruiting departments at these universities have grown tremendously over the last few years, not only in the scouting aspect, but analytics metrics. They, they, they have the whole they run the whole gamut in those departments. So I've gone on campus and helped them set up. And then the third part of betting field sports is. I've really approached the high school sports, high school athletes. I, I took on a few local players here that I knew their parents were well. And you really use my contacts of 20 years in, in the NFL, use my contacts at each one of these colleges. And I, I help players get scholarships. And what I do is I evaluate them first, make sure that they can play. And then I use my contacts to 
really send the film to them and get an immediate response. I think that's the tough thing in this business that I found, especially in high school recruiting, is that getting uh, the universities, getting the recruiters and the coaches to actually watch the film. And and that's something because I have a lot of friends in the business that they're willing to do. I always say I can't guarantee you a scholarship, but I can guarantee somebody's going to look at the tape. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with your contacts. I, I, I agree with that hundred percent. I, I love how you're taking the aspect of helping the colleges set up their scouting departments. Cause right now it almost sounds like what they're doing is not only high school recruiting, but now with this portal, they almost need like a pro part department too, because the portal switches everything over and being able to, I mean, Ryan and I have done this uh, show for a while now and we talk about, I think this year was 1200 or something. 1500 at some point, I think. Yeah. 1500 people in the portal. So it's like, now you have to know who's leaving what college to come and what their skills are on top of the high school recruits and, and all this stuff. So recruiting at the college level is becoming almost as complex as the NFL now. And what you mentioned, the transfer portal has really changed the dynamics of, of recruiting because of what you mentioned. It's an instant player. It's someone that can show up on your campus and play just like a free agent. And you've actually got in a lot of situations, college film to evaluate them on. And that's a good thing. But somebody's got to vet the background. Somebody's got to see what type of person they are. And there, it takes a whole staff, as you know, David, in a pro department to do that. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to ask, Blake, because I, it's a pleasure meeting you for the first time. Your reputation does pre- uh, precede you there. One of my favorite parts about being partnered with David is he tells me all these great scouting stories, you know, inside the room inside the war room, but also on the road, you know, talking to to prospects and really being able to engage them and to, and to kind of dive into who they are as people. Wanted to know if you could give me just a couple, maybe one or two of your favorite interviews that you have had with a player pre-draft, if there's some that stick out for you. Oh, there's a bunch that sticks out, Ryan. It's uh, it's amazing to, to see what happens, especially in the combine. Uh, situation and, and the players that go to the combine, they understand that they're going to be interviewed by these teams, but some of them really just allow their personality to show out. And I remember one in particular, uh, uh, and we'll go to Pac-Man Jones. You introduced me by saying I was there when we picked Pac-Man Jones and I was, I remember going through the 15 minute interview at the combine and it was something that he spent an entire 15 minutes discussing all his arrests and off the field issues. And we never got to talk football at all. And I remember him leaving that room. And as soon as he left the room, uh, usually the night I get, I get home from the hotel and after interviewing 30 or 40 people, my wife calls and she goes, any interesting interviews? And I remember saying, yeah, we interviewed this guy, one guy named Adam Jones, Pac-Man Jones. And I can tell you one guy that won't be a Tennessee Titan after that interview. And that'll be Pac-Man Jones. But lo and behold, we took him with a six pick overall uh, in that draft. So that was one story. Another one on a little bit different note was the linebacker from Penn State, Sean Lee, who plays for the Dallas Cowboys. Sean Lee was this extremely bright, intelligent, no no flaws with him at all. So we, what we wanted to do was when he came into the room, really wanted him to talk football. Our head coach at the time was a guy by the name of Mike Munchak, who was a Hall of Fame player, and his uh, school was Penn State. When Sean Lee came into the room, uh, he was a little bit anxious, a little bit nervous, uh, not because he really had anything to fear, but just because he saw a, a, a Hall of Famer in front of in front of him and Mike Munchak and somebody that went to his school. So when we asked Sean Lee to get up on the blackboard, he had a, a black, 
you know, magic marker and, and got up and started to draw all these plays, but it was really hot in this room. He was sweating profusely. And the whole time he's up there drawing with his back to us, we're sitting there with a GM and head coach and defensive coordinator. And as soon as Sean Lee turns around, he had been sweating so much. This entire black midget marker was over his entire face. He turns around and the room busts out laughing and he thinks he did something wrong. But we said, just, hey, take a look in the mirror, bud. Uh, And he had this black magic marker all over his face because he couldn't help but wipe the sweat from his brow during this whole interview. But those are two. There there are a number of other ones that I could get into, especially uh, uh, some ones that you, you couldn't wait for the 15 minutes to end uh, because it got a little tense and, and um, uh, you know, sometimes a little bit uh, a little bit rough. And uh, there, there's a couple of those as well. But those are two that stick out to me. Yeah, they're always fun how you, you get into the room and you're not really sure what's going to come out of their mouth and then oh. which way it's going to go. And it goes a little sideways. I know I've been doing the interview training since 2015. And there's sometimes, you know, you get in the room and you, you hear their story. And then you try to teach them how to say it in a more condensed fashion or less diarrhea of the mouth, like I like to call it. And, you know, it's like we don't need to know. We, we pretty much know when you walk in the room who you are. We have our background checks. We have everything. We're just confirming that you're going to own up and be accountable to everything. You know, we don't we don't need to know everything. So it's fun to, to take them through and teach them. To how to answer the questions, and they're then they're amazed, like, "Oh, that's all I have to say." It's like, "Yeah, man." Like, we, well, if we I could ask it. you guys a question, I, I mean, because you both have this this experience of these <clears throat> interviews, I'm really like, so when you walk in there, I know you only have 15 minutes, so like you need to get to the point a little bit. But is there like a a, a period when you walk in where you try to maybe set a mood and make it more relaxed, or is it just straight to business? And I just want to see what kind of comes of it. You know, a little combination of both. I think it depends on the player. If it's a player that you know you're going to need that 15 minutes to really get everything out, you're going to get right down to business. Because, but but there's a situation where the where the player is a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more mature, and kind of gets a gets an understanding of of sitting in a room with grown men and and has a comfort level with that. You can kind of break the ice a little bit, a little bit more. There are a couple players that have had whether it's stuttering problems or, or problems speaking in front of groups. And you try to set the set their mind at ease a little bit and comfort them knowing that this is going to be, you know, kind of something that makes them a little bit nervous, but you want them to really show their best. Yeah. I remember sitting at an interview with Michael Gallup and I was with a bunch of young, young guys. It wasn't in our room at the combine. It was just out at an all-star game and a bunch of the young kids were putting pressure on him and his legs started twitching and, you know, he, he was just kind of rubbing his face. And I finally looked at, I just looked over at Michael and I was, cause he's from my area. So I know him. And I was like, Hey Michael, wouldn't you like to be at home? Uh, you know, eating some of mom's pasta. I knew that was his favorite dish. And he goes, Oh heck yeah. I'd rather be there than here right now. <laughs> and I said, but I heard your sister's faster than you. Oh no, she says it, but she's not a better athlete. So you calm him down you get him, and you got that leg to stop moving. And then you get back at the questions that you really need to know. But you got to – I know Blake is excellent at this. You just – you got to kind of calm them down to get to really get the information and get the personality out because that's what you really need to see, you know. And, and if, if it's all nerves all the time with all the pressure, you know, that's just no good for, for anybody involved. You're exactly right. I remember one player that came in the room and he was a little late getting into the room and your 15 minutes starts when the horn blows and, and whether he's late coming in the room, you know, your, your, uh, your time is limited. And I remember kind of grabbing him by the arm, leading him to the seat that he was going to be in. 
And all he could focus on was charging his cell phone. He, he wanted to find a plug to charge his cell phone. He didn't have a charger, but he was asking everybody in the room, a head coach, a GM, can I get a charger? I need a charger for my cell phone. We wasted so much time. So I grabbed him by the arm. He turned around, looked at me with a stare, basically, don't touch me. Get your hands off of me. I'm going to find a charger, and it doesn't matter how long it's going to take. We couldn't wait for that 15-minute interview to get over. That was someone that just needed to be gone and move on in another direction. I guess you didn't draft him then. We did not draft him. You know what? He, he went pretty high. He went in the third round, and he didn't last long in the league. And and I've known this kid uh, since the NFL. He's played in some other leagues, and he's really changed his ways. And I've actually had that conversation with him because that interview didn't go well for 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, sure it didn't. I've had a few of them, too, where I was sitting in the back of the Raiders room watching them do their thing, and I'm just being like, oh, this is bad. <laughs> this is a sinking <laughs> ship going down. <laughs> but talking about the interviews is fun. But let, Let's talk about this really quick because you're one of the best offensive line evaluators I've ever met. So I would really be remiss if we didn't ask you to give us some traits that when you're breaking down offensive line, what is it you're looking for, Blake? What are a couple things that translate that best from college to the NFL? Because, you know, the college has all the spread stuff going, which I hate. I'm not a fan of. But, you know, how do you – I know you're such a great evaluator offensive line. Give our audience a little, like, two or three traits that you always look for and they always translate over you know, you you brought up a, a great point with the way the RPOs and play action game is has happened in the NFL. The the offensive linemen set pass sets, a lot of short sets, a lot of like they used to do in the old run and shoot. Uh, sometimes those, those spread offenses, passing offenses, a lot of short sets. So you're not looking for as much the athleticism that you used to have in some of the interior offensive line positions. Intelligence is key. You better be smart in today's game with the checks and everything that's going on at the line of scrimmage. You have to have a five man unit that can work together, but they all have to, they all have to understand their job with the money that those quarterbacks are paying. You cannot be on the wrong page. Contact balance is something you hear a lot with running backs, but it's also a trait with offensive linemen. When an offensive lineman engages with a defensive lineman or linebacker, what does his feet do after that? Can he maintain his balance and body control and move a defender off the ball? Can he hold his point uh, and anchor? You know, versus a powerful rusher. To, in today's game, you have the combination of a Chris Jones who's six five, three hundred twenty five pounds that can move, or an Aaron Donald who is six foot one and two hundred eighty five eighty five pounds that can run like a linebacker. You've got to block every different type of athlete along the offensive line. That contact balance, that ability to stay within yourself, is so important. Can you drop your weight? That is really important. And I think versatility is key in the NFL today. If, if you're a premier guard like a Quentin Nelson, you can just play guard your whole life. But if you're a, a player that needs to make a team, can you be a center guard? Can you be a guard tackle in this league? Do you have the ability, not only intelligence-wise, but you have the ability physically to line up at multiple spots? You know, we talk about intelligence and we talk about that, but the mental toughness is another aspect. You want to have 16 weeks of the same group of five. You don't want to have interchangeable pieces constantly throughout the year. You saw what happened in the Super Bowl with the Chiefs when they were without a lot of their offensive linemen. They struggle blocking. I know depth is, is a tough thing in the NFL, but that's a tough thing to overcome, especially in a high-profile high, high profile game. 
Absolutely. You got You can't just be a one hole guy. You know, you got to be a guy that can fill multiple holes, especially early in your career, because now that versatility gets you on the field and gets you that bigger paycheck. Doesn't just put you on a practice squad roster spot or inactive. Um, you know, so I'm with you on that. And I love balance, balance and footwork to me. Those are the ones where I always start with the feet, the feet and the stance and then go into the footwork and the balance. Because, again, if you don't have that balance, you can't redirect with the feet. I mean, yeah, yeah. Now you get set up and taken advantage of. No question about it. And, Blake, I want to take you now to the other side of the ball. I guess we're going to stay in the trenches a little bit. So when I'm talking interior defensive linemen and I'm talking defensive end, outside track rushers, for you, what separates the good or maybe just the average or below average? Can you play three downs? You know, that's so important today because, you know, the old traditional way you used to talk about guys that were a two-down Mike linebacker. Well, those guys are one down now. And those are situational players. Now there's so much matchups that happen in the NFL, and they're trying to create poor matchups. If there's not pass rushers on the field, they're trying to put you in a situation where they're going to pass the ball. If there's linebackers, so to speak, not to get off subject, but there's linebackers that aren't good coverage linebackers, they're going to match you up versus these athletic what they call tight ends today, but really big receivers. You know, that is a big key. Quickness. Do you have the quickness to win one-on-one? Are you a disruptor? Not necessarily a finisher on sacks like an Aaron Donald and, and some of the top sack players, but can you be a disruptor? You know, the Danico Autrys, so to speak, are, are really valuable type defensive linemen because they can line up at multiple spots along the line and they're disruptors. They don't put up big sack numbers all the time, but they're, they're the type that can penetrate and force uh, sacks and, and other stats to other players. I think that's so, so important um, in, in this game. You know, the ability to feel blocks, the ability to, to be, be the instigator, not responding off an offensive lineman's movement, but making the offensive lineman respond off you, especially with these good athletes today. When you're an edge player, you still have to be able to set the edge in the run game. I think having that strength and ability to to hold your edge is important, or you will get taken advantage of at times, especially, like I said, the way they scheme things. But interior defensive line play, I think is underrated in the NFL. When you have the DeForest Buckners of the world, when you have players that can play three downs, obviously he's a big man, but when you have someone like that, that can be a three down player, play on both sides of the ball, play inside and out, it it can really change the way your defensive plays football. Speaking of interior guys, KK got cut from the the Panthers today. And I was like, that guy ain't going to be on the street long. (laughs) <laughs> no, you're exactly right. And, 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 you know, players like that just, you know, that, that they're going to be picked up. You know, it's like J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt's longer in the tooth. He's had some injuries. But this is a player that can play along. He's rushed outside. He can rush inside. He's a great disruptor. He had a lot of sack numbers early in his career. Uh, but right now he can be an excellent disruptor if you match him up with a with a really good outside rusher or another interior pressure player. No, I really think he's going to wind up in Pittsburgh at the Steelers. So they have a, a monopoly on the Watts up there. You know, it seems like a natural fit. They do have two other good defensive ends in Cameron Hayward and Stephon Tuitt. That could be a tough three-man line if they decide to go that route. That is going to be tough, especially we're not even talking about T.J. Watt on the outside as well. That could be a a tough group. Wouldn't you want to be an inside linebacker playing behind those those three Oh, my gosh. Talking about wide-open lanes to run through. (laughs) No doubt. Devin Devin Bush is coming back, too, from injuries. And and he could go unblocked. It's, It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, what's uh, what's uh, some a piece of advice, Blake? Before we you know we get you out of here, 
for the young athletes that, you know, what do they need to do in your opinion to separate themselves from, um, other, from other, uh, athletes right now in the selection process, whether it's recruiting, because, you know, a lot of my friends that have kids and like you have kids that are in this age group, recruiting has become very difficult because of this NCAA rule where everybody got a free year. So scholarships aren't just like being thrown away and thrown out like last year because um, they really don't know how many scholarships different programs go. And that goes from boys sports to girls sports. Like I have friends who have daughters that were really good at high school softball players. And now the high school softball teams like, or the college softball teams, like we don't have uh, any kind of uh, scholarships to give out this year, you know? So what's something that one, one piece of advice you'll give a, a young athlete to separate themselves in this process, whether it's a draft process or a recruiting process. You know, I think you have to track record is so important in, in today's uh, whether it's scouting in the NFL or, or recruiting. What is your track record? What is your not only production level, your statistic, your statistics, but are you a team first player? Are you someone when the coach when the coaches from the colleges call the high school or vice versa? Are you a team first player? Are you dependable? You know, they always say the best ability is accountability. Are you accountable to your school, to your team. You know, I, I, I could tell you many stories of, of players that weren't. And when they went on to the league, you know, it was, it was situations where they became individuals. Be a team first guy first, uh, production, track record, the ability to mature, not only mentally, not only in, in age, but maturing as you go through. We all make mistakes in high school. We all make mistakes early in college. You know, it's nothing to run from. It's how you deal with it and how you mature uh, through that process. Is that something that a team that wants to pay you a lot of money in the NFL is going to be able to depend and account on you uh, in that locker room of 53? Yeah, I always, when I do it, I always talk to them. Really similar thing is, do you, are you someone they can trust to put the Tennessee Titan logo on your chest and represent that organization at the grocery store? Or on a Friday night, are you doing the right things away from the office, or are they going to have to worry about you when you when when you're there representing their their logo and carrying around that that uh, title of a player in the NFL for that team? You know, and you learn as a scout. You know, we we talked about Pac Man Jones. There was probably not a more embarrassing situation than you know you'd wake up in the morning and hear what he did. Uh, you know, out in Nashville, that's that's embarrassing for a scout for an organization uh, for a coaching staff. It's it's tough to overcome. He had an immense amount of ability and he finally righted it in some areas, but he's still, you know, in trouble. And, and those are things you just got to stay away from. You know, they're, they're better players, uh, maybe, maybe a lesser talented player that can show up 16 weeks and play for you. And, and I think that's important, whether you're in high school right now doing that or in college looking to, looking to go to the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's his great advice. Kids, listen to him. This guy's been doing it 20 years and stuff. I mean, listen up. I mean, this is just great, Blake, what you're giving everybody here tonight. And like you said, the best ability is really that accountability, right? So, mm-hmm. Well, Blake, we want to thank you so much for, for giving us some time tonight here on Mass Sports Take. We want to give you an opportunity to tell everybody where they can find you on social media or, or the work that you're doing. Plug anything that you need to. Yeah, my, my website is bettingfieldsports.com and my Twitter account is Blake Bed. That's B-L-A-K-E-B-E-D-D. And that's my Twitter account. My last name is way too long to spell out in the Twitter <laughs> world. So, but I appreciate you guys having me, David. It's always good to see you. Ryan, it's so good to, to meet you. And I think you guys are doing a, a wonderful job. 
I'm a football hound. I listen to all football podcasts and, and things all the time. And, and I enjoy listening to you guys. Oh, we appreciate you doing that. I mean, Ryan, and so, you know, Ryan's one of the young bucks up and comers in this uh, scouting business. Uh, him and I just taught a 25 week course on, on scouting and he was my, my, um, my counterpart and he really got a, he's got a good eye for talent. So, you well, know, you'll, fantastic. you'll be hearing a lot about him, Blake, in the future. Dave, Dave you're, you're making me blush, man. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, Blake, we really appreciate it so much. I hope we can talk again very soon, but we, we really do appreciate you taking some time tonight. You bet. I enjoy it, guys. I'm happy to come on anytime. Thanks, Blake. We'll, we'll, do, we'll book you again soon. Seriously. Sounds good. Take right. care, guys. Take care. All right, again, Mr. Blake Bedingfield, been in the scouting department for a long time in the NFL, most recently with the Tennessee Titans. David, it's nice, man. I felt like you were like looking in a mirror, you know, a guy that has had a lot of experiences with you in the scouting community. It was, that was a fun one, man. I really enjoyed it. I could have talked with him all night. You kidding me? <laughs> I know. I had Blake, to cut him off. Blake, I'm like, all right, out of here. <laughs> I know. Blake and I could have sat here all night talking about old war stories and old stuff. So we'll have him on again soon. I mean, I think he's a wealth of knowledge that our, our audience can really learn from. And uh, I'm so proud to see that he started bidding Phil Sports and and uh, the, the angles he's going and using his uh, 20 years of informational collection and how to set things up and how to do things. It's just, it's just awesome. I think all these colleges that are smart enough to hire him and these uh, young men and women that are smart enough to u- utilize his connections, I mean, that's really helping you win. And it's our companies, Maverick Sports Consulting and Blake Sports, it, it, or Bettingfield Sports, excuse me, Blake. Um, it, it, they're so similar in what we're doing. But again, it's, it's our focus is to help these young people really elevate and take advantage of our history uh, and our experience and put it towards them. Because as young men, I know I would have wished to run into me on the sidelines and, and figured out some of the stuff that a 20 year old vet or 20 vet, 20 uh, some on season vet would know. So to see Blake doing it, I just wanted to make sure he came on and, and again, we'll get him on again. I, I mean, I really enjoy the, the heck out of him. Yeah, no, it was a fantastic interview. I like how he says edge and you don't bl- blink an eye, but I say edge. <laughs> it's the end of the world. He was talking about setting the edge. He wasn't talking about edge rushing. He said an edge player. He said an edge player. An edge one. player. That yeah, was setting the edge. That's a lot. You saying, call them too. edge rushers, and that's no, not right. No, no, no. Edge players, edge defenders. But without further ado, because David, you know, is getting off on tangents as always. We only got one. <laughs> part of our of our uh monument of our mount rushmore done before we get into that we also have mason stocky coming on in a little bit here university of wisconsin fullback and 2021 nfl draft prospect before we do do you know what your social media says about you are you putting out the right messages to decision makers how can you be sure why not sign up for social media audit to have a decision maker go over your accounts And make sure that the branding you're putting out is working for you, not against you. Go to maverickSportsConsulting.com today to sign up. So, David, we want to finish up our Mount Rushmore's. We only got one done. We got about three that we want to get through each. So a little more abbreviated, I guess, until we have Mason on. But I want to, I want to, uh, I think I left off with AI. So your second Mount Rushmore participant of your favorite sports icons growing up. Well, then it's got to go to Jordan. I mean, watching Michael MJ play, I actually was fortunate to watch him uh, in his golden years when he was playing against the Warriors. And, uh, you know, it was like when Chris Mullen and Tim Hardaway were on the team. And so it was a great game. But really, the 
the beautiful thing about Michael Jordan, he scored 60 that night and it made it look like he scored 20. Like you, you were just watching him go up and down so effortlessly, so just fluidly. And he was just hitting J after J, but it was just like simple boom, just stroking it. Boom. It was just, and, and like, then all of a sudden, like midway through the game, you look up, you're like, man, he's sitting at 30 points already. And then at the end of the game, you look up, you're like, did he really just drop 60? <laughs> like, you're like, I mean, you just, he, he was, and he had like 60 points, 10 assists, and I think six rebounds and three steals. So, I mean, he had a heck of a game, right? But it just looks so natural and so effortless. It was like, oh my goodness. I was just like, I'll never, obviously, I could talk vividly right now about it. I, and I was like, you know, like 12 years old or something. I, I never would forget that game. That game was amazing. Speaking of games, perfect segue, okay? The first sports video game I remember, it's not Madden. It was an NFL 2K or whatever that was with Terrell Owens on the cover when he was with the Eagles. The first video game I remember was um, Ken Griffey Baseball. Do you remember this? Yes, I do. Oh, it was my favorite game when I was a young kid. Like, I was really young. Like, just barely knew what video games were. And I just saw... You know, it would sign on and you would have to hit start, but it would just be Ken Griffey swinging that magnificent left, left-handed left stroke, dude. And it's just the most beautiful swing of all time. Like, let's be honest. And I didn't even know much about baseball at that point. All I knew in that game was Ken Griffey Jr. was the player to have. <laughs> like, he was hitting home runs almost every bat in that game. It was nuts. And then the range that he had, and then you look him up as you get a little older and you kind of appreciate his game. And it's like, the guy was like 6'3". 235 pounds, super athletic. I mean, the the plays that he had at the wall, the arm that he had, the swing that he had, if not for injuries, because he dealt with a lot of them, if not for injuries, he's probably the all-time home run king at this point. Like, he was that dominant of a base. I mean, he had like 660 home runs, and he lost like two and a half seasons or something like that or more just off of injuries that were in his prime when he was hitting 50-plus every single season. So for me... Ken Griffey Jr. was the guy, man. Like, that was – I'm not going to say he was my number one, but, man, he made – I mean, because baseball is not cool anymore. Like, let's call it what it is. Baseball is not cool. But when Ken Griffey Jr. was playing baseball, that stuff was cool, man. When he was on the Mariners, wow. that was cool. Let's was, be honest. His stroke was just so sweet. Like, it was – and it wasn't a traditional stroke. No. You know what I mean? It was, it was just kind of upwards thrusting, like, weird stroke. But when he hit it, like you said, it was like, and you're just like, whoa, whoa, whoa that's got out of here quick. So. You don't want to say like a guy was born to play a sport because like it's obvious, like obviously that isn't true. But like, I mean, it seemed like he was born to swing a bat. <laughs> it was just the most natural thing of all time. Like it was insane. That, it was. I don't know. I, I can't even quantify. It. I'm trying my best to put this into words of what watching Ken Griffey Jr. was like for me. But like, I, I can't. I just can't happen. So. No, he, he he was amazing. He was a guy's another. That's another good one for sure. Baseball needs another Ken Griffey Jr. because right now baseball is boring. <laughs> Baseball's always been boring. There's only been a few players that are fun yeah. to watch. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean you're right, but it's it just I don't know this era. Like I don't know Mike Trout's like fine. He's a New Jersey guy. That's cool and everything, but like, it's not exciting, you know? So let's quickly go through here. Cause I think Mason is waiting behind, uh, behind the scenes for us, David. So we don't want to keep him waiting too long. Uh, I think we have two players each. So let's quickly rapid fire here. Who is yeah. the guy for you? 
So my next up would be Bo Jackson. Again, talk about rare athlete playing sports, both baseball and football. I mean, he was such an amazing player on, at both. I mean, he was an all-star at both. It was just unbelievable. So Bo Jackson, to me, has to go on my, on my uh, Mount Rushmore for sure. I like Bo. That's a good call there. My next guy that I want to throw out there is the guy that was my favorite football player when I was young. So when I first started watching football, right, my dad was a Miami Dolphins fan. My mom is a was a St. Louis Rams fan at the time. And I was like eight or nine years old. And, you know, I liked football, but like I, I didn't have any rooting interest at all. And then a team called The Greatest Show on Turf encapsulated my love for football. And if you remember The Greatest Show on Turf, you'll remember – Kurt Warner, and you'll remember Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce, but my favorite football player was Marshall Falk growing up. It was like, oh, Superman has a, it was like Superman has a red S on his chest, or I, I forget what the saying was about Marshall Falk, but that guy was truly my favorite football player. One of the best running backs of all time that doesn't get his credit because he was, he was honestly, David, he was a little before his time. You know, we talk about all these dual threat running backs like the Christian McCaffrey's of the world, the Alvin Kamara's, like these guys that are basically half running back, half receiver. Like that was Marshall Falk. <laughs> like that, he, he was the early guy in that situation. So, <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah. Marshall Falk was sick. LT was sick. Uh, that was LaDamian Thomas and not. I mean, we all know Lawrence uh, Taylor was unbelievable. Bruce Smith. I mean, I could sit there and do football all day long, but I'm going to hit one on a rare uh, a sport that in America people don't watch a lot, but I, he really got me into watching world sports and world soccer, to be honest with you, is Roberto Baggio from Italy's uh, national team from years no ago. No idea who that is. No I idea know, who that but is. Roberto Baggio <laughs> used to like be the man in soccer. He was like, you know, he was like the A-Rod of the, you know, Italian soccer team, right? Like this kid, uh, this guy, I mean, he just could shoot from all over. He was the scorer. He, he would uh, run up and down the field. He was dating a supermodel. Like growing up as a kid, no, watching Roberto Baggio play soccer and his lifestyle, I was just like, good Lord, I want to be this guy. But, you know, I never was that good at soccer. So, but uh, for me, uh, on my Mount Rushmore, just because he got me into a sport that I really wouldn't have gotten into without him, you know, and I still love the game of soccer today and especially World Cup play. I always watch because of I remembering the watching Roberto Baggio play when I was younger. Well, I like you. I like hearing you say Roberto Baggio, not to make this weird, but it, it comes <laughs> off very nice. Last guy before we bring Mason Stocky on. My last player, and it's a little bit of cheating, I will admit, okay? Because this guy really, I mean, so he was a linebacker at Boston College when I was in high school, and he was fantastic. I remember, David, I don't know if you were around Mark Herslick when you were with the Giants. Oh, yeah. No, he wasn't with the Giants, but I know Mark. Yeah, so uh, Mark Herslick was a great Boston College linebacker, right? And then he had bouts with cancer, and he missed out on his senior season and eventually came back the next year. But a young man took over for him by the name of Luke Keekley, who ended up being my, I mean, he's still one of my favorite players. He might be my favorite player of all time at this point. Cause I just loved watching him, man back to his Boston college days into his Carolina Panther days guy, unfortunately had to retire early due to con- uh, recurring co- issues with concussions, but man, what a great player. I mean, honestly, if he could have put together a, a full career, I mean, he's still one of the best of all time, in my opinion, but and I think he would have a good argument to being one of the top two or three linebackers of all time. I think that much of Luke Keekley. Um, unfortunately, a, one of those stars like Calvin Johnson's and, and some of these recent, uh, you know, Andrew Lux of the world that did not uh, have a full career due to some recurring issue with injuries, but still a fantastic football. 
Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I also agree. Like I've been around Luke personally at the Carolina Panthers. And I mean, as outstanding human being, a great teammate, a great quarterback on the field, like his, his, his knowledge of the game of football and schemes, he studies it. He's really prideful of it. And honestly, he's so humble when, about everything he's ever had in life. I mean, so I, I, I just love being around Luke. Like he was, he was one of the best players I, I think I've ever been around. Yeah, no, he was fantastic. One of my best. We want to now bring on Mason Stocky, who is a fullback out of the University of Wisconsin, 2021 NFL draft prospect. Mason, appreciate you joining us tonight, man. How are you? How are you doing? Doing great. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Now, I man. will say this, Mason. <laughs> I will say this. I was a little disappointed on how to pronounce your last name. <laughs> What'd you think it was? Stokey. Yeah. I was about to pull my stogie out and have a stogie with stogie. <laughs> I get that a lot. Yeah, I know. Ryan corrected me. He's all, no, dude, stocky. Like, you know, I'm 5'4 and I'm I'm thick. So he's like, you. He's like, you know, stocky, like you. And I was just like, okay, I'll make sure to pronounce it correctly. I was just like, but I was I was like, I thought it was stogie so bad. Well, Mason, I, I want to say uh, David Turner has been in the in scouting departments for 18 plus years in the NFL, and he was He's been a big fan of your game, so I knew when I got some contact on you, I, I really needed to reach out to you because we at NFL Draft Bible and David as well think the world of your game, and we're very, very big fans of you. So we thank you so much for joining us here for just a few minutes. want to kind of start you off. I know it's been a very bizarre sequence of events, going back to the summer, preparing for the 2020 season, dealing with COVID protocols during the season. Obviously, the Big Ten was shut down for a little bit, and then they come back. And then now in the draft process, we're again dealing with a lot of the same issues. So just talk to me real quick about just the state of the world due to COVID, your world specifically, and how you feel that you've been able to navigate this craziness dating back to the summer up until now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a good way to put it, just craziness. Yeah. So, I mean, going back, um, you know, it was – we just went on spring break um, during the spring – um, we're supposed to come back for spring ball. Um, and that's kind of when things hit the fan and everything was shut down. Um, you know, I was in Madison during that time. I basically was just staying there and, um, you know, the first I was like, all right, like how serious is this? Like, um, you know, what do we got to be worried about? And then, then it was, all right, uh, how am I going to train? How am I going to work out? How am I going to stay like, mentally in the game because um, I, I had no access to weights. I mean, our, our weight room was shut down. Everything was shut down. So it was like, all right, first thing um, is just doing body weight stuff just to, you know, stay in shape. Um, and then, I mean, you do a week of that and you're like, all right, like I need to, I need to get some weights, some, some better training. So, I mean, um, I, there was ways to, you know, figure that out before, um, Coming in summer, we were allowed to come back, um, you know, getting tested regularly in the summer. But, I mean, just the unknowns were the, the hardest part about it. It's like, you know, you're, you know, first part of the summer, you're like, all right, like, everything's going to get opened up here shortly. Uh, we're just, you know, you're just waiting. Um, basically, every week you're like, you're getting told, all right, we'll know more next week we'll know more the week after that. And it's every week leading up until the season. And you're just kind of sitting there like, 
we still know nothing. <laughs> um, and then, you know, so it was, it's basically just a mind game. Like every day, you know, you just got to stay focused, you know, take it day by day. And then once the season came, um, you know, we got got into fall camp, but then it was, you know, the rumors online that all oh, the Big Ten's going to cancel. And, you know, that's going through your head. But our coaches were, you know, not saying any of that. Um, you know, I mean, it was just basically rumors at that time. And, you know, that's how our team approached it. It's just rumors, you know, we're preparing for the season. And then when it got shut down, that's like, well, it's just, it's just like, okay, well, we are not going to have a season. Now is there going to be a spring season? Like all these thoughts are going through your head. Um, and it's just, it's another mental game, you know? Um, so, so just dealing with that, but then the same thing, you know, you just approach it day by day. And I think just being with your teammates and, you know, going through that together and just, um, just knowing that there's a chance of a season to come back, you know, um, helped us focus and stay on the right track. And then once the season, um, you know, it's back on, and I was like, all right, let's go. Like, we're ready. You know, we, we trained through this period. We're ready to go. Um, and then, you know, we went through fall camp. Everything was good COVID-wise. We're getting tested every day. You know, you had a guy here or there get tested positive. But, um, yeah, I mean, our whole team was basically good. Went through the Illinois game, was good. And then it's like our whole team gets COVID, basically. Like, um, I mean, we got shut down for two weeks. Um, it might have been like roughly half of our team got it at the during those um, during that time. And we were told, like, stay in your room, don't do anything for two weeks, basically, like quarantine. And like, that's mid season where, you know, it's just like, like this is crazy like how we you know got to stay like mentally locked into the game so we were able to still be able to do like zoom meetings with football so we we're able to still be locked in that way but just physically you're like well we're not practicing again a lot of challenges how are we going to get our workouts in you know kind of got to figure that out um, and then even coming back after those two weeks it was uh, um, just going right back into football it's like all right, your your body, you know, the week leading up to the, the Michigan game, you know, you felt good, but then after the Michigan game, it felt like, you know, it was it was just kind of tough for your body to get back into that, but um, it was able, you know, able to handle that, and we made a good stretch, COVID-free, and then we had one game, Minnesota canceled on us, but then we were able to play it back, so it was just kind of, throughout that whole year, it was just like a, you know, it was a different experience with no fans and just up and down roller coaster of games canceling, season canceling, you know, guys not being able to play with COVID tests. Uh, but so, I mean, I, I think, you know, coming out of the experience, it was a good experience just like just mentally, um, you know, it just prepares you for like anything that can happen um, with any adversity. It's, it's good. Um, and then going into the next step with training, um, you know, right now it's been it's been pretty good. You know, I've been able to do everything that I need to do to to get ready for this opportunity or for the next step. But I mean, it's kind of different with 
you know, some of the all-star games being canceled, yeah. um, the, you know, no combine, but, um, luckily our pro day is scheduled. So hopefully that goes through. Um, what day is going to be your pro day, Mason? We got it scheduled for March 10th, March 10th. Okay. And then now, now I, you know, I've watched your game and I, I really, I, I know you have three like, um, career touchdowns from catches and stuff. And, and to me, I think you have a really nice kind of Tom Rathman style feel to your game. When I watch you play, cause you're a blocker pass protector and you can catch the ball out of the backfield, but what's something in your ba- Badger career that you would want to highlight and one of your favorite accomplishments while being there in, uh, at Wisconsin? Yeah. Um, I guess I got a couple, um, one personally, just growing up as a, uh, Wisconsin kid, it's always been a dream of mine to play for the Badgers. So basically just, you know, my first two years I dealt with injuries, so couldn't, couldn't get on the field. But that first time getting on the field and um, representing my home state, um, that was just a big accomplishment for me personally. Um, and then going off that, uh, winning the uh, Big Ten West, um, the year prior, going to the Rose Bowl, that was a big accomplishment. Always been a dream of mine since uh, since I've been a little kid. Um, and lastly, just this year, um, being honored by the Big Ten, all Big Ten honorable mention. Um, just being a fullback and not even having a category for all Big Ten and being honored was um, you know, that, that was a big accomplishment for me. I think the Big Ten's the only place to go shopping for fullbacks these days. Everybody else is <laughs> is, is running the spread and everything. I mean, but it's like, you know, you want a fullback, you got to go shopping in the Big Ten. Otherwise, you're not going to find one, right? Oh, yeah. There's some good ones in the Big Ten. Oh, there is. You got Ben Mason from Michigan, too, is another guy in the class. I'm, I'm curious here for you, Mason. Was now with the NCAA giving that extra year of eligibility, I know that, you know, obviously you're, you're trying to forecast the best of your ability the short term. Was that ever on the table as part of a discussion like, hey, maybe I should go back for an extra year? Or, or was your, were your thoughts always set for 2021? Um, you know, initially going into the season, um, you know, it was, that was the, the, set, the mindset is have a great year, you know, my mm-hmm. senior year and, take it to the next step. But then, you know, as teammates, you know, start talking, um, they're coming back and it's, it's kind of, you know, the what ifs sometimes creep in and it gives us your last year of football. You don't, you don't want to leave too early. Uh, but it came down to this. I felt like I was ready to go. Um, and I felt like it's the best time to go. Um, I feel confident in that decision. So, now, Mason, which uh, who's who's representing you? Did uh, who, which agency did you wind up selecting? So I went with Kevin Gold. Um, he's uh, John Coon's old, or I guess agent. So, um, just some fullback lineage there. <laughs> there you go. And then, uh, when, where are you training to get ready for this pro day on March the tenth? Um, ETS is located in Woodbury, Minnesota. So you stayed up in the night now. You got some cold weather coming through there. How How's it working? You guys lose any uh, – have you guys been losing any electricity like Texas or anything? No, everything's been good. My car's been, you know, starting up and been able to get to the gym. Um, so, no, I mean, it's, it's just been really cold but no problems. I mean, I think this morning when I started my car, it was negative 22 out, so <laughs> – 
It's cold. I've been in that. I've 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 lived in that. That is freaking cold. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's not many clothes that are going to save you from that, especially if there's any kind of wind. Yeah, yeah, it was, it's miserable. Well, Mason, I know, I know it was a little warmer when you went down to College Gridiron Showcase, right? Though down there in Texas, kind of wanted to hear just the the experience down there and, and how you feel like maybe uh, your interactions with scouts and just some feedback that you had. Yeah, it was uh, it was a great experience. You know, um, just as soon as you get down there, it's basically you know, you're going nonstop. It's from you know interviewing with scouts to interviewing with different like broadcast. Um, uh, to, you know, personal or player development meetings. Um, and then, you know, at the end, um, you know, kind of doing your little on-field work. But it was really good. You know, I got to talk to, you know, a lot of teams, um, which was good, about half of them. Um, and then... And there's not half of people in the NFL that use fullbacks. What is half the league talking to you for? Yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, it's not quite half, about half, but I, think <laughs> I was just messing with you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm a big proponent of fullbacks and tight ends and, and these positions that have gotten like pushed away. I love the 21 personnel set. Let's get a field. Let's hit some linebackers and clear some lanes for the running back to get through. Like, let's do it. Like I'm all about it. I want. I'm. I'm. I'm going to be bringing back the 21 personnel. That's my. That's my new goal. Yeah, let's go. Make fullbacks great again. <laughs> that's right. Make fullback great again. That's what I'm talking about. Mason, we do have a question in the chat for you asking uh, what teams that you talked to. If you can just drop a couple names of, of a couple teams that you met with down there. Um. Yeah. I guess I'll just go. Uh. Vikings. Bears. Packers, uh, Lions. Staying up north. Yep. Cowboys. <laughs> um, let's no see. warm weather teams yet. Raiders. Oh, there we go. A little Vegas Those action. Yeah. There's some Vegas action. 49ers. Uh, I'd, yeah, I got a list of all the teams. But, yeah, there was, there was 14, 15 teams. Well, I know you mentioned the Raiders. Obviously, I know Alec Ingold was a great fullback that came out of Wisconsin. Have you talked to him during this process, being a guy that plays the same position and, and about, just about his process and what you should expect? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, you know, I've always kind of gone to Alec with questions and, you know, just him going through the process already. It's just a great guy. I can, um, you know, whenever I have questions, I go to him. Um, and then that was kind of the way it was at Wisconsin, too. Um, you know, he was ahead of me, um, and I learned off him, and I'm still learning off him. So it's a, a great resource to continue to, you know, draw on. Mm -hmm. And kind of the last question I have for you, Mason, and let you get out of here is, you know, there's like we talked a little bit about. There's not every team is going to use a fullback, so there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to ask like the value that you bring. I know special teams are going to be a big part of that equation, being able to be a versatile piece. But for you, for NFL teams out there that may be listening, evaluators, scouts, front office execs, what are they getting in Mason's uh, in, in you when you enter their building, just not only as a football player, but also as a person? Yeah, um, you know, I think they're getting a lot, um, you know, not only on the field, like you said, you know, a four-phase special team guy, um, versatile fullback, but uh, you know, also just a, a great guy that loves football and is ready to get after it. Um, you know, a hardworking guy that's, you know, been through some stuff that has helped him, you know, shape him into the man he is today. That's just 
ready to face anything um, that's uh, in his path. So ready to go. Absolutely. Well, Mason, we thank you so much. Again, we got Mason Stocke on here, fullback out of Wisconsin, 2021 NFL draft prospect. We appreciate you hopping on Mass Sports Take with us, man. Wishing you the absolute best throughout the process, and we just thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks for having Stoked me. Stoked to have you. <laughs> I said stoked to have you. <laughs> awesome, Mason. Well, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Yep. See you guys. All right, well, David, that brings us to the conclusion of the interview segment. Uh, I know Mason's a very polite young man. I guess I shouldn't have expected, you know, he's he's a fullback, right? So he's doing the battering ram. Like he's going to be a little soft-spoken, which is, I mean, hey, I, I love that style. That, that guy's all about business, which is how it should be for that position. So it should, didn't take me by surprise too, too much. No, it was fun to talk to him. You know, again, he's Absolutely. one of my favorite players in this year's draft. I, he has one of the best names, I think, in the draft. And so, you know, for me, it was just fun to talk to him, get to know him a little bit here and hear what he's going through, what he's been through, what what uh, who's his agent, where is he training, all that stuff. And, and you know, he didn't train – he didn't just – to select to go to Texas or Florida, he's staying in Minnesota. You know, it, sh- it tells you the kind of kid he is. Right. Yeah. You want to hear about toughness training in Minnesota right now. What a warrior. And he's going to be a warrior for your football team, fullback, he- special teams, whatever you need. Mason stock. He's going to be there for you. Yeah. He ain't going to be late for, for, for a uh, roll call in the morning. If he's <laughs> driving to work right now or driving to train out at negative 22, he'll be fine to drive uh, anywhere in the Northeast. Uh, so New England, if you're looking for a fullback, I think I just found him for you. I like how the first four teams that he mentioned that he interviewed with were all NFC North teams, though. Did you hear of Lions, Vikings, Packers, Bears? I'm like, that's that's the flavor, baby. That's it right there. It is it. It's it. I was a little surprised when he dropped his Niners because they got such a great fullback. So I'm like, okay, they're just probably doing their homework. But uh, some of those other teams, and I and I would think, you know, if there's 14 teams, it would probably be a lot of the Northeast through you know, even uh, Pittsburgh and, and up there, Cleveland area to utilize his kind of skill set that, that he has. Absolutely. So I'm going to kick it to David Turner for a follow word in a second. Before I do, I want to thank you all so much for joining us tonight on Mass Sports Take episode 28. We have Blake Bettingfield on. Also, of course, Mr. Mason Stocky, who just got out with us, Wisconsin fullback and 2021 NFL Draft Prospect. I want to thank them both so much. I want to thank everybody in the chat room tonight for dropping in some love. We appreciate you all so much. Big things happening, not only for Maverick Sports Consulting, but NFL Draft Bible in the near future here. David Turner, thoughts ending the show with tonight, my friend. What What's on your mind? Uh, so, you know, again, show appreciation for Blake and for Mason coming on. Great, you know, some great opportunities here. Yeah, I see what, I see, I see what Dakota's saying down there. Um, <laughs> but, you know, for me, I'm like, this has just been a great show. To, to let Blake come on first or have Blake, you know, to come on first and talk about the recruiting process, high school, what's going on in college football. Um, so people can understand that. And then to take a great young fullback, give him a, a platform to talk about what's going on in his life and going through the draft process. Hopefully that helps a lot of the other kids going through the draft process and parents. If you're listening, it helps you understand what the draft process kind of looks like for your son going through it right now. And you're hearing it right from the horse's mouth. So you know, there's companies like Plentyville Sports, there's companies like Maverick Sports Consulting. Both of us can help your young men and women uh, athletes, I should call 
just men and women athletes, uh, whether it's high school, college, or even beyond, getting them ready for the opportunities in front of them and behind them that, that you know we could show them how to take advantage of maybe some mistakes that they made along the way to learn from. So you know, again, if you're ever going to fail, fail forward, but surround yourself with the right people to help you make decisions. So you know, we hope you guys listened, learned, heard a little bit what you like tonight. And again, as always, Ryan, I appreciate you helping us guide everybody through this. Absolutely. Yep. Tough times. And, and I didn't even think about it when we asked Mason on that he was a part of the Wisconsin team that, of course, had that big delay there for several weeks. So he experienced the brunt of what was the COVID world as far as football is concerned. So thank him. Thank Blake Bettingfield. An awesome interview, of course, to start our show. Also got to hear Mr. David Turner's Mount Rushmore of football icons, which mine was better then, but we'll talk about that in another date. <laughs> want to thank you all. Throw it up wish- on Twitter and see who's is better. Throw it up oh, on Twitter and we'll I'll see throw it up on Twitter. I'll throw it up on Twitter. I, I have more followers, so I'll win. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> what are you hey, everybody, that's some shade. That's some, that's some follower shade just throwing at, at uh, DT right uh, there. Oh, I would never oh. do that to DT. Uh, I would never. I would never do that. That was perfect. That was hilarious. (laughs) I don't hate on that. I think it was hilarious. Just, but I just want to recognize what it was. That was some nice shades, but right there now, (laughs) nice shades. Yeah, I'll put my shades on next week. Put some sunglasses on. Appreciate everybody. We want to thank you again, but we want to ask you if you could drop us a line, like, share, retweet, give us a review. We would really appreciate it. We're on all podcast platforms out there. Apple Podcasts would be specifically, if you want to go drop off and tell them how great the Mavs Sports Take crew is, we would generally appreciate it. We also have a big announcement coming soon on Mavs Sports Take, so keep an eye open for that. We'll be here next week, 8.30 Eastern Time, Tuesday night, to continue to talk the sports world from the eye of a business world, from the eye of everything that you're not talking about. Okay, this isn't the this isn't the normal fluff that you get every day on ESPN. We're talking about the real world that you need to understand when it involves sports. Thank you all so much. Be back again next week. Hope everybody has a safe and secure week. Hope everybody enjoys. We will see you all again, same time, same place next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of Mav Sports Take. Connect with us on social media, share your thoughts on today's episode, and tell us what we should take on next time on Mav Sports Take. Want more from our hosts, David and Ryan? Visit maverick and learn how we can help you take the next step in your sports career. Until next time, this is Mav Sports Take. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.